song about a man called Garth and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. Hello and welcome to Pot on the Hill. I'm Nicola Castleman, the Training Director at Victorian Labor. Pod on the Hill is the weekly podcast of Victorian Labor's where we discuss the political issues, the events, the people and campaign activities of today. Don't forget that Pot on the Hill is available every week on iTunes, SoundCloud and your favourite podcast app. And we're now on Stitcher, but don't ask me what that is because I've got no idea. If you've got any questions to ask our guests, please email them to podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Uh, we've been off the air for a couple of weeks, um, a, a week, two weeks break um, f- with respect to Fiona Richardson um, and uh, her untimely um, sad death. We want to send our condolences to all her friends and her family and um, tri- pay tribute to uh, what a great uh, campaigner, what a great um, minister she was and um, how hard she worked, especially on the family violence um, uh, legislation space. And um, we want to um, pay our respects. Um, today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming and introducing three guests all at once. Um, it's a new thing for us. They're stuffed into our little recording room here. It's like a scene out of a comedy. I don't know if you've seen the Marx Brothers Night at the Opera when they're all stuffed into a little um, hotel room, but uh, we're, um, we're quite warm. We're going to try not to elbow each other in the face um, and shuffle lots of papers. Uh, we've got to take care of each other in here. Um, but this is going to be fun. It's a bit different, um, but I'm already really enjoying it. Today's episode is a look at the marriage equality plebiscite. And we uh, decided here at Pot on the Hill that we should spend some time actually speaking to people whose relationships are being examined and judged during this plebiscite, um, and that is LGBTIQ people. And before I introduce our guests who have joined us to speak about what that's like, I wanted to mention on their behalf um, that the LGBTI community out there is varied and diverse. And there are lots of different feelings and perspectives from people living many different lives. It's testament to the awareness of LGBTIQ people that each of our guests wanted to stress to me that they didn't speak for everyone, uh, but they are speaking for their own perspectives uh, and experiences. And we're just sorry we couldn't have everyone um, having their say. Um, But without further ado, I'd like to introduce Sarah. I'd like to introduce Peter. And I want to introduce Megan. Hello. So hi, guys. Welcome to Pot on the Hill. Uh, I want to start by asking about the legal and political side of the plebiscite, um, or as it's been commonly labelled, the plebiscite. You guys have a comment on that. Um, Sarah, tell us first what your thoughts are about uh, what's wrong with this plebiscite in the first place. Um, Can this plebiscite even give us marriage equality in the end, even if 50% of Australians say yes? Uh, Well, I mean, I think it's just a total joke. And I think the, the main thing that people across Australia are saying about it is just do your bloody jobs politicians and vote on this in the parliament like any other law Um, there's no reason to subject us all to this incredibly expensive giant waste of money that doesn't actually result in um, in any changes anyway like it's non-binding you know a bunch of the politicians have said that they won't be bound by Mm. you know whatever the outcome is I don't actually even think they should be bound by it because I think most of them have got a mandate that they took to the last election where they, you know, most most politicians address this at the last election. Most political parties have a position on it. So they've already got a mandate to to go one way or another. Um, and so it's a giant waste of money. Right, and that giant waste of money, um, how much is it? Do you remember? Uh, 122 yeah. million, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's... it's um, Quite a quite a lot. Have we calculated just how many schools that would that would fund? How many? I think you could build a number of brand new schools. <laughs> number of brand new schools. Yeah. The ASU had a little video where they were showing how many nurses you could pay for a year yeah. and how many. Like, yeah, it's obscene. Yeah. Um, Peter, I'll bring you in here. Um, how do you view this process? You've got a bit of a, a you know a knowledge of of politics and law. Um, can you think of a scenario where the federal government could have done this worse? Well, um, look, I think it's clearly a strategy um, to skew the vote in favour of the no campaign. It's obviously been targeted that way um, from the beginning. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's sad because um, it's probably, a, it's pretty smart from the Conservative side to have concocted this evil plan. Um <laughs> You know, a few of the things are that everyone's talking about. You know, it's a postal vote. Lots of people don't look at the post, mm. particularly young people. Um, not that many people. You know, it's a, it's a low order issue. Although the polls are in um, 
our favour in terms of there's widespread community support for equal marriage. It's not a top order priority for most people, and when they get the the ballot in the mail, um, you know there, there's really a real concern that they're unlikely to return it. Um, the, uh, in, in contrast, that those our opponents are obviously pretty well organised, um, and they have you know church groups and other religious organisations, etc. That people in their retirement, they're at home, they're more likely to return their mail, so excuse the vote in favour of the no campaign. Um, and there's also, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the outcomes that we could hope to achieve, there's a pretty, there's a, there's a lot of scenarios where you can imagine um, politicians will be able to look at the result and and um, make the case for why they should based on the mm. result, vote no, if, you know, if the turnout's low, um, if the turnout's low and the no campaign wins, if um, there's a there's a poor turnout and change wins, they can make the excuse that, well, it's not a representative survey, even though we've designed the thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, look, I think it's been, it's a pretty evil plan, as I said, and it's very cynical, um, but, you know, and... On reflection, um, some, you know, maybe a compulsory plebiscite would have been better in some ways because we would have had everyone out there and we wouldn't have this issue of the soft yes vote and the, the difficulties that we... I mean, the, the whole campaign's appropriately focused on turning those votes out, but mm. um, we wouldn't have that issue if it was a compulsory plebiscite. I don't think that um, the, the strategy that... Um, look, and I haven't been active, super actively involved in... Um, the marriage equality campaign over the past few years, and I, all respect to those people who have, and I, res- and I agree with their strategy to oppose a plebiscite from the beginning, but mm. this is where we've ended up. Mm. Um, and, um, Megan, what are your thoughts on this? Um, because, uh, you know, marriage equality itself is actually at risk through this process. Absolutely. So tell us about, about what might happen to marriage equality as a, a, you know, a potential reality. It, it feels cowardly. Mm-hmm. It feels like people who have views, people who should be voting, can, exactly what Pete said. You can hide behind this result, whether you're for or you're against. It's not binding. Mm. You, it kicks it down the road. It mm. does. If we don't get a result on this, if we get an overwhelming yes vote, it's not binding. Mm. We, it, let's just get it resolved. Yep. Make them stand in the parliament and vote. You're for it or you're against it. Let's move on. We don't want to keep doing this. We've mm. been doing this for a very long time. Mm. I think I think Pete's right. I think there are a lot of other issues that people are much more concerned about. But until this is resolved, obviously we all want to guess, mm. until this is resolved, it just keeps going. The homophobia keeps going. Those revolting posters we've all seen in Melbourne streets keep going. I can't imagine being a 15-year-old questioning my sexuality and having to live through this. Mm. And that's the other... I mean, sorry to interrupt, but that's the uh, absolutely the other point that... Um, is was well. I mean, the, the strategy in opposing the plebiscite was correct because it, this, as we've we've already seen that there has been this has given license to people who have hateful views and um, want to spew bigotry. And um, you know, when Tony Abbott comes out and says, "If you're um, opposed to political correctness, vote no," what what I hear is, "Well, um, you know, if you're." sad that it's no longer socially acceptable for you to call those two men walking down the street holding hands what you really think um and then vote no like it's really a license to that sort of hate speech and um and he's the absolute worst culprit (laughs) um and, you know, it only takes five minutes reading the comments on the Herald Sun website or one minute, really, before you see that it has given licence to this sort of talk and, um, you know, it is having an impact on people. Um, but, you know, so it, it's just, it's pretty diabolical, but we have to win. And and what about the, um, I'll ask you, Sarah, um, what about the, the ABS um, and some of the uh, suspect processes in the actual administration of this vote, um, do we have confidence that the ABS can actually administer this, considering that they ran the census and we know that there was quite a few minor hashtag census debacle, was it ha- census fail? Um, um, what what kind of um, uh, you know opportunities there are to 
corrupt that vote? Um, well, I mean, let's let, let's be kind to our our friends at the ABS and, and think <laughs> that they, you know, they're I'm sure there's lots of like very good, hardworking, incredibly smart people there that have um, maybe learned from some of the mistakes of the census. But um, I mean, like, I mean, Pete sort of came, went to this a bit. Like, I think they're statisticians, and this is a survey; it's not a vote, mm. and so they have to do things like apply weightings or mm. you know look at you know other information than just how many people voted and what did they vote. Um, you know, if there's an area that's like not. They, they potentially will have to wait certain, you know, age groups or, like, I'm not a statistician, I should Mm-mm. stop talking before I <laughs> embarrass myself, but, you know, there's, there, are, there are ways that, like, the results can come out of a survey, um, you know, that's, that's um, managed by statisticians, that politicians can then disqualify the result and say, well, that's not really what people said or that's not really, I'm not bound to that because X, Y, Z, so... Mm. That's my concern about, you know, it being an ABS-run survey as opposed to an AEC-run... Vote. Vote. My my, um, uh, observations on that, though, were that when the AEC is equipped with certain... Not not just powers, but also um, certain muscle to get a vote out of, for example, people who are living overseas or even travelling overseas. Um, and now they're talking about emailing people a, a you know unique code if they're living overseas or asking trusted people to fill in their ballot papers. Uh, th- these don't really fill you with confidence, do they? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I had a number of fen- friends travelling overseas as this was coming up, and of course they all went to the AEC to find out where yeah. they could vote overseas which you can in an election. Yeah. How do I get my ballot papers while I'm overseas? Yeah. None of the same rules. Yeah. yeah. A big question marks about how this is going to be yeah. actually. Yeah, and the other managed. rules that don't apply are the rules around misleading information mm. in um, elections. And we've mm. seen an ad yeah. on TV last night, which has nothing to do with... Um, nothing at all to do with uh, marriage equality. No. And... Um, of course, because our opponents can't say what they really think about marriage equality, mm. so they raise a whole suite of other issues. Yeah. But the principle of um, the school who the mother said her son was allegedly to, able to wear a dress to school has come out. That is absolute, an absolute lie. Mm. Um, and in, in a normal election, that sort of um, material wouldn't be allowed. Mm. So. And they- Presumably, you don't have to do. I don't actually know this, but presumably, you don't have to do all this sort of authorised by stuff. As part oh, of this that's a good question. We haven't seen it on any of the hateful so posters that yeah, have been around. Exactly. So, like, because it's a survey and not a um, and not a ballot, it's got that lack of accountability of you know the messaging. And and that's another point. Also, is that when you've got an authorisation, when you've got an election, and you've got two sides or three sides that are running against each other, there's a certain accountability. We, we don't know necessarily who is behind some of those obnoxious and noxious posters and, and material out there. So there's no one really to ask. <laughs> you can't challenge them. They don't, no. they don't, you know, normally with the AEC, they're challenged, it gets called yeah. in, they have to retract them or, you know, they have to be identified. There's yeah, none of that. There's none this. of that. And we'll get to the subject of some of that conflation you mentioned, Peter, as well as that, you know, talking about anything but marriage equality in trying to argue against marriage equality is what the No campaign is, is living from. Um, but I'm going to leave beside, leave behind sorry, the, um, the pretty disappointing political process for a bit because we could probably sit here all day and discuss uh, Turnbull government's failures. Um, and I don't want to sound too biased here, but do we have sufficient bandwidth across the whole world um, to do that? Uh, this podcast could go forever. But, Megan, I'll start with you here. Um, you live with your partner, Julie, and you guys have been together for 12 years. Uh, you have a daughter together, and several years ago, you guys had a non-legal wedding. Um, so what, on a personal level, what would marriage mean to you and to Julie and to your daughter? So we decided to have a, my brother really beautifully called it an illegal wedding, which of course was very appealing to us. We literally had, um, it'll be three years in October, um, like 100 of our nearest and dearest, got family from interstate, um, we did all of our favourite things. So we had a adults jumping castle. <laughs> we had tacos. Uh, we had a swing dancing class. Um, we had giant Jenga. We just all of the fun things that we wanted to do. Yep. Um, we wanted to have the people that mean the most to us in the world in a room for us to stand together mm-hmm. and say we are a thing. We may not have a marriage. Our, our invite actually said 
um, come along to a celebration. There's nothing like somebody telling you you can't have something for you to say, I don't want it. That's fine. I don't want it. So we didn't have a ceremony. We got up and made speeches and made the other person cry. Um, there was no, there, you know, it was about five minutes of formalities. And then we just wanted to be with our family and friends. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about a wedding. It was just about us acknowledging we'd been together 10 years then. Um, it meant a lot to us because it's us and because mm -hmm. it's a relationship. It's, gender wasn't really important. We'd built a family together. Mm. Um, our daughter is 19, so uh, she was nearly eight when, when Julie and I met. Um, Julie is her other parent. She's gone to every parent-teacher interview. Um, you know, we pay the school fees together, all of that fun stuff. Mm. Um, we did the relationships re register many years ago. Any time we've done these things has mainly been for Ramona because mm -hmm. we want those protections for her. Yep. I want to know that if something happens to me, that she will be with Julie and in Julie's care. Now that she's technically an adult, it's less of an issue. Mm. But I wouldn't want her to be with anybody else. And legally, I don't have a say on that right yep. now. And and that um, that there's, of course, in this uh, plebiscite, I, I keep wanting, I keep almost calling a debate, and then stopping myself because there's actually not a great deal of debate happening. But um, in this plebiscite, there's been some memes going around about um, and that's sometimes the best information <laughs> or most available information. But um, it's about what marriage would give to your family in terms of those legal protections and what the absence of marriage means. So, are there specific legal protections that you guys missed out on? I think we're pretty much covered now I think for me it's so we've you know we've done emergency rooms together we've done yep. you know and we've never had a problem yep. but we could have yeah because um, the I 2008 think for me it's, it's automatic yes yeah yes, of a superannuation yeah but, so we've because we've been together for quite some time we have joint wills yep. um we have added legal paperwork that yep. binds us together yeah uh, we did the relationships register as I said mm. uh we've done all of the legal things that bind us together mm. the main person that we're trying to protect here is our daughter. Mm. Sarah and I caught the tram here together and we were talking about this on the tram. There is an assumption that when you walk in as an opposite sex couple and you say, I'm married, no questions asked. Mm. But you walk in as a same sex couple and you say, this is my partner. Mm. It just doesn't feel automatic. I don't want amendments to legislation. I don't want special superannuation laws. Mm. I just want what everybody else has got. I mm. want the same protections. I, I, don't, I don't want to be special. Mm. I don't want special marriage. I just want the same legal protections and the same assumptions made of my family as everybody else's. Mm. Um, and do you think you've suffered? I mean, I, I just mentioned that the, the 2008 legislative removal of same-sex discrimination, um, which occurred under Kevin Rudd, um, it seemed to it sort of removed a great number of those inequalities through legislation. But as you say, there's something still that's not necessarily recognised automatically. Um, do, have you? Do you feel you've suffered ill treatment or intimidation? Can you even mention some times or think of some times when you've suffered um, that because of your family makeup? Is there something that you're not afforded by other people on occasion because of the, the makeup of the family? I think, especially because we have a child, we go out of our way to avoid those kind of situations. Mm -hmm. I would never want to... She's a very resilient child, mm. but this is not her choice. This is our choice. Um, I would never want to expose her to someone else's bias. Yep. Um, so when we were choosing a high school for her, we did tours at three different schools. Mm -hmm. um, the first one was okay. The second one was the woman actually couldn't say the words lesbian or gay. Mm. She said, so we have um, other families like you... At that point, I said, right, so we're done. Okay. Got up and moved. The yep. final school that we chose for her, which was perfect for her, we wanted a progressive school. Mm. We wanted something that catered to her education style and her subjects. But when we got the paperwork for that school, at no point in the registration was their mother and father. Mm. There was parent A yep. and parent B, and yep. we never had a problem. So I wanted her to be somewhere where it just wasn't an issue. Mm. Um, we would then make a lot of jokes when we would catch the train in the morning about like, we promise not to snog on the train together. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can come out to your friends when you're ready to come out to your friends. Um, you know, we have no expectation that she will be a mini-activist. She's chosen to do that herself. Yeah, um, yeah we've, we've avoided that stuff. You know, you get the odd, you know, yell in the street, but yeah. always very conscious of her being exposed to those things because this is not her life. Yeah. This is what this is our life. And, and you don't want to have to spend your life explaining yourself or moving around you know, someone else's expectations about your relationship, that's also not very fair. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we, we kind of put a bit of a timeline. If she was staying at someone's house or someone was staying at hers, we said to her, you need to be upfront with people. Don't assume 
that everybody else is okay with this. Mm. And I don't know that's a really weird, um, you know, it's a strange place to put a child in. Mm. But people need to understand that, that mm. when they come to our house, one of her mothers will answer the door, one of her mothers will be driving the car. Mm. There is no dad here. And and we would hope that marriage equality would would address some of that because it normalises it, right? It should just take the stigma away. Yeah. It becomes less of a thing. Yeah. In theory. Yeah. Well, we hope. I mean, we all work. It's a big step. Yeah. It's a big step in the right direction. But we all, we all work towards those sorts of things, even if they're not immediate, you know, yeah. and, and we have to hope that as, as a members of a progressive reformist movement, we would hope that we make those little steps because the tide of history changes and eventually those sorts of things become normalised. Normalised is such a clinical word. Like it makes it sound like there's something abnormal and we're trying to normalise it. But we're trying to give equal access, which then makes sure that everyone is seen as equal, even if that takes some time. There's a long way to go, obviously, but this is such a a totemic issue now for the Mm. community. Like, well, and yeah, it it is a big step. It will be a big step. Mm. I think it's like we can we can and we need to you know continue to like move against homophobia and you know all the different ways that it happens um and this won't like just remove homophobia from our society but it's a a, like i sort of think of it as like a big national anti-homophobia campaign (laughs) that actually has a win at the end of it because you you know a general anti-homophobia campaign when you get to say you won but when we get marriage equality we get to say we won this bit Mm. (laughs) so it's yeah, it's definitely and it and it's totemic, largely I think because of it becomes the sim the symbolism of it is about the denial of it rather than actually the importance of marriage itself. Achieving. Like, so it's like the more it's denied and the more you know different politicians stand up and say horrendous things about why it's denied, the more totemic it is that we get it. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not actually well for me for a lot of people it is really important the ceremony and the you know being able to call their partner, their um, wife or husband or, um, and, you know, have that backed up by law and that's like, but for me it's really about um, the, you know, just the, the general, like, equality and mm. under the law um, and it's about that it's a symbol of all of that and it's about the fact that it's been denied rather than having the thing itself, if that mm. makes sense. I don't know if well, we always move in a space where symbolism and practical measures tend to go hand in hand nothing's just entirely symbolic and nothing's just entirely practical we we you know we live with the law um and some of us you know tend to be um you know fighting for equality under the law um and this is you know an example of that and i think you should apologize or anyone should apologize for Mm -hmm. wanting the symbolism to be addressed Mm -hmm. but also the practical measures to be addressed um peter i'll go to you now you grew up in regional victoria um, but you live in suburban, suburban Melbourne now. Um, you and your partner live uh, in a house together complete with an awesome garden. Um, also, just a note that Pat clearly belongs on his own gardening show because he is amazing. Um, the plebiscite and the overall campaign seems to have given itself this special licence um, to judge, sometimes in a nasty and bigoted way. That's one of the, the, our criticisms of the plebiscite is just how much it's given that, um, that licence. Um, and, and given that licence to, to questions about the legitimacy of your relationship, can you tell us i know this is a really complicated answer probably but a simple question what does it feel like to have your relationship questioned like that well it's a look i i mean to be, be a bit more specific about where i grew up it was in kyabram which is one of the schools which has come out recently well last year there was articles in the age mm. about how the fact the school council was very openly opposed to the um, safe schools mm. program and um, look, there are a lot of good people there and um, a lot of people aren't homophobes, obviously. <laughs> um, but the, the, there's some issues. Mm. Um, uh, look, I've had some... Um, look, it's been, on the one hand, this the last few weeks have been really inspiring, I think, in a lot of ways because we've seen some amazing demonstrations of solidarity. A lot of our allies have, allies have really come out. The union movement's been amazing. Mm. Um, the ALP, you know, has really stepped up mm. um, in a really important way. Um, and, you know, you go on Facebook and you see all your friends are so behind the campaign and um, so it's been pretty inspiring in that way and in a way that I probably um, didn't think that it would be. Mm. Um you know, but at the same time, obviously, it has raised, um, you know, it has given license to some of this sort of hate speech and 
that does take you back to a time in your life um, and, you know, you, you do reflect upon past hurt that you've suffered. Mm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I've had a conversation with a friend the other night and um, she was reflecting on how, you know, maybe her life might have been different if she hadn't experienced the same sort of homophobia that she'd experienced growing up. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes you do think about, well, what if I didn't have that shame through, throughout my childhood and throughout my adolescent years? Would I be more confident? Um, th- might, things might be different. So in terms of this, ma- what it means to me, marriage equality, obviously, I, look, Pat and I have had a um, pretty blessed run. <laughs> we lived in Preston um, when we moved in together in, and mm. our 83-year-old um, Catholic neighbours loved us, yeah. mainly because Pat's a brilliant gardener and a great neighbour. <laughs> um, Good tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing, <laughs> you know, and, you know, so since now we're in sunshine and, you know, there's a couple of people in the street that don't say hello, but and you, you, you can read between the lines about why that might be, but, you know, we've got two Catholic nuns across the road who are absolutely adore us and we get along like a house on fire with all our streets. So it's yep. a pretty, uh, you know, it is good to get out there into the community. I think that's happening more and more. That's part of the long, slow, decades-long process of, mm coming out that's been occurring and mm. that's really what's changing people's minds it's yeah the personal relationships that they have with people i remember speaking to a friend of mine several years ago about where she was living with her partner and location was actually an issue as as far as how comfortable they felt being in the local supermarket yep. together um and that sort of stuff is just you know un, un, it's really it's more than unfortunate it's 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 really quite disappointing but um that during this period um, of the plebiscite being, you know, in the news and in social media in particular, um, how do you keep yourselves from feeling like you're being judged and attacked? Do you have to just have to play a lot of Taylor Swift? I think sometimes you have to have some time out from social media and um, it's really important to do that. I mean, um, and, yeah... I suppose it's where I'm in a really privileged position now. And I think where everyone in this room is Mm. in terms of their lives, their relationships, their jobs. Um, Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes it does hurt, but like my thing about this whole campaign is like, what about those 15 year old kids where it still isn't an issue? Um, and, and, and homophobia is still a real thing. And for them, like, I think what would, what it would mean to have marriage equality is like, it's, you know, people do have, not every gay person is a radical um, and has radical views about relationships or, um, and some, and often those views are developed later in life when you grow your political awareness when you leave home. Mm. But for them to see, oh, well, it's, I'm not that different or, mm. you know, I can get married and have a committed relationship and, a, and all, mm. of the, all of the things that come with that. Um, that's that's what's important to me. that's I think that's really important about the whole campaign. Yeah, and uh, I mean just an authority like, well, either the federal parliament as we would have liked, um, but but you know a, a national vote saying you're okay. Yeah, you know there's nothing. And nothing that's that, that's why it would be great to have a massive win. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, Sarah, I want to hear from from you about this. Um, the, the plebiscite has become a flashpoint of discussion about same-sex relationships and, and um, you know, what people are doing in those relationships, um, you know, like whether they're having children, living together, you know, all of those sorts of things. How do you feel? Do you feel attacked by this process? Is that something that, that has affected you? Um, I guess I, I didn't, like a little bit, I didn't expect to, I, I expected to, like in the lead-up to, um, you know, discussions around a plebiscite, um, in the past, I was always thinking, I guess, a bit like Pete was saying about, you know, the the kid that's coming to terms with their sexuality in, like, the small country town and, like, you know, and I still worry about them, but I never actually thought that I would feel personally affected by it. I grew up in a very different, um, I guess, situation. The schools I went to were some of the first to sign up to the Safe Schools program before it was even really a government program. Um, and I grew up in a bubble and I maintain my little bubble. <laughs> but I guess the thing that I found like unexpectedly really kind of sank in and like hurt me was some of the, I mean, when, when this, you know, there was the week where the Liberal Party voted on it and that week or the, you know, and pretty much since then, I feel like 
like I didn't realise what it would feel like to feel like my relationship was the topic of a national discussion, mm. you know, constantly and that every time I looked at, like on the one hand I totally agree with Pete about like, you know, you look at Facebook and you're like, wow, every, all these people I haven't, I've never seen post about anything political or like really out there on this. But um, on the other hand, every time you see, you know, like a, a post from Daniel Andrews, for instance, saying, you know, all these wonderful things or like, and then the comments <laughs> are yeah. just horrendous. And yeah. you just get sort of sucked into them like a car crash or something and you read a few too many and it just sinks in and you just feel like it, it feels horrible. Like it feels like, I mean, one of the things I always think is like, I wish I could just grab that person and like somehow put them inside my head for just just a second and like I will look at Claire and then they can go like oh right it's the same <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> the same like this is not some weird fake thing that they're doing to get attention <laughs> right this is the as, same. as you've been accused of just being attention seeking I don't know like, I will, no I haven't but like I don't know why they think you would like make it up like why would you pretend that this was a thing like why yeah. would why would all of everyone gay yeah. pretend that these relationships were real relationships? I, I don't know. I don't know what they think. But <laughs> you're they're actually trying right now to divine the true <laughs> meaning behind Facebook comments, Sarah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's time it's to pull back. A lost, um, lost cause. Well, but like, what I just don't, you know, it's like that thing of like you can't. You obviously don't think that this is a real thing, a real feeling, and a real relationship, and that it's somehow different to your relationship with your partner. And if you could just see that it's exactly the same, then maybe this whole thing would go away and, you know, we could all just get on with our lives. <laughs> well, and that also brings me to um, a, a topic about the plebiscite also. So social media is now a player in a way that hasn't before in a national vote that wasn't a general election. We didn't have Facebook and Twitter during the referendum in 99 or 2000, when was it? Um, I know I was just not able to vote in it. I always forget exactly when it was. Um, but um, that... Um, that that didn't have that same kind of tension where everyone's kind of getting on and being a keyboard warrior. How do you think that has changed, even maybe not just, maybe the outcome of the vote, but how do you think it's changed the actual timbre of the vote? Um, well, I guess, I mean, on a positive note, I think, like, the internet's been incredible for, like, anyone feeling isolated because of something like this because they can get online and get involved in a community of people that feel the same way as them and will have the same experience even if they can't you know physically go and like mm. you know in the past you would have had to like I don't know go to the place where they were and hang out with them whereas now you can be part of a community online mm. so I think it's really there's a lot of really great things about how much better supported people can be through you know social media and everything um but obviously yeah there's also like Everybody can be better supportive and everybody's voice can be amplified, including people whose voices we, frankly, don't really want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for that 15-year-old kid that we, we've sort of, you know, imagined into, into this scenario, um, if you were the 15-year-old kid back in Kyabram, what would social media have given you? Do you think would it have given you a, a, a better a better you know place to be in or would it have you know been a, a minefield well i don't know it depends on i guess what your friends and family are saying yep um yeah it's not a panacea i don't yeah. I, I haven't really thought very much about that issue i mean i mean look um and also you can raise a valid question about what's the effectiveness of speaking to the echo chamber and mm. um yeah, changing your um your facebook picture banner to an equality one but it gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling but yeah. I, haven't, I, I haven't got around to it <laughs> yeah but then you know i'm you can always just you know come back on that someone might just think that i'm being rude <laughs> i don't know I, i'll get around to it i make a promise i'm going to change my profile pic um I want to talk about that. I want to go back to to the point Pete raised before about conflation um, and the, that being the no campaign's major tactic at the moment. Um, it's become the expected thing that if you you're hearing an argument against marriage equality from the no campaign, the argument will probably have absolutely nothing to do with marriage equality. It's got to do with um, a laundry list of things that are separate to marriage equality, and then they are sort of the things that are most agonising to us because they are the things that attack the other parts of sexual identity which being you know raising children 
um, being, you know, sexual identity itself, um, being safe schools, um, you know, being a whole lot of things. Megan, um, I think this is something that you can first identify um, because of the raising of children being conflated into the marriage debate. Um, adoption, assisted reproduction, other forms of guardianship of children, none of these things are dependent, none of these things is dependent on marriage, and yet they're discussed all the time. This just must make you roll your eyes. It's the whole what about the children? Yeah. <laughs> what about them? Why don't you ask them? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like my, my, my first job as a human being is to be a parent. Mm. Um, my gender, my sexuality, none of that stuff is actually relevant. I strive every day to be a good parent, mm. to raise a good independent child who functions well in society. Mm. Full, full stop. Yeah. What, what, who I decide to share my bed with or my house with mm. is really not relevant. I mean, you can meet people every day and think, oh my God, you are a shocking parent. <laughs> And then you can meet other people and you just think, wow, you take this really seriously. But none of it has got to do with my sexuality. Mm. It's just not relevant. Mm. But yet, speak to the children. Talk to them. Because, you know, they're just kids. They go through exactly the same thing. They lose their school shoes. And they, <laughs> you know, leave dirty bananas in the bottom of their bag. And it's, it's, they go through the same kid things. Mm. Do you really need to drag them into this? This mm. is adult stuff. Yeah, it is. You should be looking after them and protecting them. But your job is to be a good parent. Mm. And I don't, I don't see how. I, I was a single parent for nearly eight years. Mm. Is is that a pro or a con? Like, is that you know, you because you can you can you can conflate these two issues. Mm. You know, oh, being a single parent is is a terrible thing. Mm, not really my choice. Mm-mm. That wasn't really my choice. Mm. But I just yeah, my, my first job in life is to be a good parent and to be a good human. Um, how I choose to raise my ch- child is like like how anybody else chooses to raise theirs. None of my business, none of their business. Mm. But I don't see, you know, I'm a lesbian, so I must be a bad parent. Mm. It's a, it's an interesting question. And and it's just not part of. Uh, I mean, it's not just not part of this debate because it's like rude and and obnoxious, but also marriage equality does not have any bearing on. Yeah your ability yeah. to bring a child into the world uh, the assisted reproduction is actually that legislation has moved way beyond and victoria ha- is one of the leaders in mm. the access that it gives on but, a whole but range look at of heterosexual couples mm. heterosexual couples all over the world have children all of the time or they don't Mm-mm. people yeah. get married all of the time and have no intention of having children mm. let's not put the two together yeah yeah um and what what other conflation just like have you got a top Top well, Sarah, irritation. Sarah and Megan are probably better versed at talking about safe schools, but obviously that's a big part of the campaign. Mm. But what's really happening is, mm. um, you know, the trans community is being attacked again because they're an easy target. Um, while they're viewed as an easy target and it's absolutely despicable. Mm. It's morally repugnant mm. um, that, that, that the no campaign... I mean, it's 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 a it's a global problem, um, you know. And as visibility increases, um, there may be a reaction. I don't know, but it's just um, I, I, look. I have no words, and um, well, we should, as you said at the start, we can't speak for ev- other for everyone else. Mm. But it's it's really despicable. Mm. Um, and. Um, why is that? We'll sort of move into the uh, sort of back to the um, the strategy of the campaign. Um, why not to boycott, Sarah? I'll ask you about about this. You know, what what? Why do we need to stay into the the you know the the um, campaign, even if it's you know a disappointing um, sandwich we've been handed? Um, See, I didn't. I swear. think we. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we. I mean, I just think like they've handed us a. Um, a sandwich <laughs> that, as Pete said, is like you know, in many ways geared against us. And I just think like the best possible way to throw that back in their face is to just smash it and win resoundingly and show, you know, like over the last ten years, how many, how many like um, sunrise viewer polls or like you know newspaper polls have you voted in on marriage equality? We've all like. You know, we've all feel like I think everybody feels like they've had as much of a say as they ever particularly wanted to have on this issue, um, and this is just kind of one last big one that we really have to win and then keep fighting to make sure it actually happens in Parliament. But yeah, I, I don't think like 
if we had all the time in the world to organise this excellent boycott campaign that actually meant that, like, like there's no way we, we could organise a boycott campaign that would send as strong a message as a resounding yes vote. And so I think you want to keep it positive. Yeah, well, you want to uh, yes, yeah. keep it really positive, but Absolutely. it is, but it is a, it's a common conversation around people who aren't LGBTIQ, but it's not binding. Why yeah. would I vote? And how, do, how do you feel about it? You should express yourself. Get a, get a tidal wave of support behind this. It may not be binding, but we can all stand up and say that we did everything that we possibly could. Our voices were heard. We got asked. We had a say. If they choose not to act on it, then that's their choice. But, but I would like to think that you know everybody I know who has said to me and sent me Facebook messages and, and been supportive and changed their Facebook picture banner um, you know, actually follows through and says, no, 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 I do support you. I am going to vote yes. Somebody's asking me. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. Show you support. Yeah, and I think it can be this, like, like, like we all spent, you know, a couple of weeks talking about how terrible an idea it was, and obviously it remains a terrible idea, but it's more about a solution to Malcolm Turnbull's party of issues than anything else. But um, it can actually be, since we have to do it, it can be this incredibly positive thing where we get to find all our allies and all our supportive people that are, you know, all the people out there that are, like, um, softly supportive if they really, you know have to have an opinion, they think this, and translate that into someone actually taking action and then, like, bring them into being that step more of an active supporter, which, like, can be this, like, huge thing for um, for fighting homophobia, you know, into the future. Um, Fiona McGregor's written a piece for Overland, which is amazing, and I recommend it, everyone read it, called Dear Malcolm, and she finishes on this note, which is... Um, on topic of what you were saying, Sarah. Um, so we'll take this crumb you're tossing at us because we remember how Howard duped the nation with his referendum on the Republic. A model so shitty, a yes vote felt like a loss of integrity. We'll, we'll vote yes with a vomit bag to your puerile little survey and walk right over the top of you into a future where we will love us freely, queerly, diversely, kinkily and creatively, wedded or not, monogamous or not, with or without kids prettily, pollily, pluckily as we please, to help the kids in country towns alone and frightened, to bring our foreign lovers home, because my friends are already and should be recognised, because my housemates want to and they're cute, because we're busting for a party in this shut-down, locked-out town, because we all should, we should all be allowed to choose whether and who we marry, we should all be equal in the eyes of the law. And that's, you know, pretty much what... Some, some nice beat poetry yeah. for us to, um, to consider. Um, what I want to do uh, now is um, we're, we're going to wrap up soon, but what I want to do is give you each an opportunity to, to um, um, kind of give us a message that you would give to Malcolm Turnbull. If Malcolm Turnbull was outside and he had a few minutes to spare and you, you did that sort of awkward... Hello, sir. I have something to say to you. (laughs) That's right. Um, What message would you have for Malcolm? But I also want to give you another um, opportunity. What message would you have for that 15-year-old who may be living in a regional place or living in the city and not sure about what their their position is? Um, And, you know, what what can you say to to those two different people about this this whole process and how we're going to get through to early November? But before I do that, I just want to... um, mention some of the deadlines on the the vote and um, some messages about the campaign. Um, The electoral roll has already closed for new enrolments or changes. Um, The commencement of mailing of forms, um, this is so bureaucratic, I don't know how anyone gets through this if English is not their first language, but commencement of mailing of forms and collection period from early September, um, the requests for replacement material is October, Um, the date all eligible Australians will be strongly encouraged to return their forms by is late October, and responses received after the 7th of November will not be processed. And then we get to find it all out a week later. <laughs> Amazing. Statistics released. Not decision made or vote concluded, but statistics released um, 15th of November. So this will all be um, you know, very available. This was from the AEC website. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't. It was from the ABS website. Silly me. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, so there's lots of ways to get involved in the Yes campaign as well. Um, the best way to do that is to click on the Rainbow Labor link from the, um, This Is Labor website because that will take you to the mail up, um, the mailing list sign up, um, and we will provide that link in our um, 
um, publications too. So first I'll go to you, Megan. I'm going to put you on the spot first. What is your message to Malcolm Turnbull and what is your message to LGBTIQ people? I think for Malcolm it would be be brave. You have the chance to make history. I, I think in his heart he is supportive. You have an opportunity. Stand up. It's like, let's just do this thing. Um, for the 15-year-old kid in Kyabram, people love you. We have we we must apologise to Clive through this process. I'm <laughs> sorry, we've dragged him in. Yeah, Let's just so say all of those. But, but you know, the 15 year old kid in, in Camberwell, the 15 yep. year old kid in the western suburbs. Yep. Um, people love you. I know it's hard. I know it's scary. But uh, there's a lot of love around you, and there's a lot of people who love you. Um, there's a lot of role models. There's people you can reach out to. It's not always going to be okay because it's not. Let's not lie. But yeah, it could. It yeah, it will hopefully all work out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah, what about you? What's your message for Malcolm and your message to our our fifteen year old LGBTIQ person? Um, I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I guess I'd like to think that I would say something like you know, we're going to beat you and your homophobic friends. <laughs> but um, actually, in situations like that, I. I'd probably just scowl at him and like <laughs> walk away. Um, but I guess, um, I guess with the you know the kid that's struggling. Um, I mean, Megan probably said it all, but yeah, you're you're loved and you have just as much of a, a right and a chance. And you know, uh, like you can dream of having a, a relationship that is fulfilling and brings you everything you want from a relationship, whatever kind of relationship that may be. And, um, you know, you'll have all the good things that you've seen in all the movies just the same as everybody else has, you know, all the rom-coms and the Disney movies. All <laughs> that applies to you too, like, if you want it to um, and you don't need to feel like you're this, um, you know, other that has that will have a totally different experience of life. You can have all the same happinesses that a, a loving relationship can bring. All right, Peter, the last one goes to you. I used to, I've used up all my good stuff. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, find it within yourself, I'm sure. Oh, look, I have no no faith at all in Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. I think he's a joke. Yeah. Um, and my look, uh, what I would say to him is that history will not look kindly upon him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, 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 the, to the young kids and, um, you know, keep going and have faith. And, yeah, it will get better. Um, thank you for those those messages. I'm sure they'll be heartfelt by um, well taken and, and heartfelt um, by some someone out there who's listening. Um, we're going to go to our traditional lightning round. You guys have not been told about this because I like to make you feel <laughs> deeply uncomfortable. Um, so <laughs> that's what, the only reason I invited you here was just to throw this at you. Um, but the lightning round is where I put five questions to to you uh, in turn, um, and we've got you know marriage equality themed questions today so don't think about these too long they're just a bit of fun um pete where would you go to anywhere in the world for a honeymoon if money was no object oh god no i said not too long oh vietnam vietnam megan that's a really difficult question no it's not uh somewhere (laughs) with sun and a beach and no internet (laughs) fair enough non-specific just go to the airport and then excuse me beach (laughs) excellent sarah Iceland. <laughs> complete opposite. <laughs> complete <I> opposite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Megan, <laughs> best wedding couples dance track at the wedding. It'd have to be Dirty Dancing, wouldn't it? You've had the time. I've had the time of yeah, my life. The lift. Yep. Yeah, it's the, the first thing that comes to mind. But I excellent. No coordinated dancing at my illegal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, best best uh, wedding couples dance track. Oh, it's hard. Um, Summer rain, Belinda Carlisle. Excellent, <laughs> Pete. Oh, this would never happen. But like, you know, shout out to Mum and Dad. Danny's song by Anne Murray. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, all right, Sarah. What was said during the worst wedding speech you've ever heard that made your eyes go dinner plate? Oh God. Um, 
Your time is running um, out. Someone Sarah. else go. Someone else go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. Um, it was <laughs> it was when um, the uh, the groom thanked the venue but said that it was the cheap option because because um, he'd run out of money spending it all on his fiance. That was awkward, especially for the for the venue owner who was a bit offended. Pete, worst I'm, thing ever I'm said. I'm always too speech. drunk. By then, I can't <laughs> remember. Let's be real. <laughs> Megan. I'm not going to name names because it was family, yeah, uh, but the hard. father of the bride who had met the groom twice said, well, I, I, I like the boy, didn't really, was a two-second speech. Great. Because they had met twice. Um, actually, I have got one now. Excellent. I think I remember a, a, um, a best man speech that was like, um, started with like that whole like Webster's Dictionary defines blah, 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 which was cringeworthy. That's the best thing I can come up with, but probably, like, Pete, I'm not in the best state at that point. Weddings are fun. Um, Favourite depressing fact about the plebiscite that makes you shake your head in disbelief? Going to you, Megan. The exemption for those nasty ads. There is an exemption that says, no, you can be a bigot, you can spew your hate speech, you can lie, no problems. That's That, for me, is the most disgusting thing. Sarah? Um, $122 million. <laughs> Ridiculous. That could be spent on many, many better things. Anytime I see Eric Abetz's face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Eric, I'm sorry uh, out there. I know you're an avid listener of the show. Um, <laughs> Pete apologises for his, uh, his no, troll there. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, and last question, guys. Best trashy celebrity or fictional wedding your fave like is it is it was it kylie and jason or you know who is it uh we'll, we'll go to you pete i love i love courtney love and cook her bane <laughs> what to <I> say <laughs> um the wedding singer uh drew barrymore's character when she's about to marry the douchebag that's in the thing yep. her name would be julia gulia <laughs> i love that good one Sarah. Oh, i thought i'd think of one while they said this um can I just have Megan's one? <laughs> I love the No, you singer. can't. I've seen her I like love five the times. Hades <laughs> trash. All right, for, uh, then, go, Pete, if you can't answer the question, what's your favourite wedding movie? I'm um, not a big rom-com oh, a big person. <laughs> Is there a one that involves a horror, them all dying? <laughs> wow, <laughs> we might have to cut that out, Conrad. I don't know if we can allow that in. <laughs> It's awkward. <laughs> this is zombie apocalypse at the end. <laughs> um, Sarah, you, you're going to come up with one? Oh, I was just going to say four weddings and a funeral. It hasn't, sta- it hasn't stood up that well to scrutiny. I watched it the really? other week. Yeah, it was dated? Pre- yeah, very dated. Of course yeah. the gay people die. <laughs> well, that's right. It was actually <laughs> like... It's not a nun throwing herself off a building. <laughs> What's that? There's that, that oh, beautiful... Lesbian movies from the 60s. Oh, love. Cool. One of them okay, throws yeah. herself off a building. It's Orcs. usually a nun. Yeah. Awful. Terrible. That Don't, don't watch that. We don't <laughs> recommend that here at Pot on the Hill. <laughs> I want to thank Pete and Megan and Sarah for taking part um, today. You guys have been um, really great. Thanks for sharing some of your experiences, stories, opinions. Um, we know that this was, um, you know, a bit raw occasionally because it's such a serious situation that you guys find or, you know, our 15-year-old in particular finds themselves in. Um, but thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate you guys making the effort. Um, if you'd like to... Uh, sign up for Rainbow Labor's Yes campaign activities. Go to rainbowlabor.org.au or find them on Facebook at Rainbow Labor Vic uh, and um, join the, the Yes campaign to make sure that, as you guys said, we smash it. Um, as usual, we've got an outro uh, track to play for you. I'm going to throw to Sarah here to explain why these guys chose this track. Uh, so we went around a bit um, talking about different kind of gay anthems and we picked I'm Coming Out, Diana Ross um, and I guess I think because um, if there was ever a time to be out and proud and really visible about who we are and, um, you know, it's now. <laughs>